one house, I got a Rolls Royce, a Ford Thunderbird, a boat, a whole bunch of furniture, paintings, some gym equipment, and a hot tub. How come I've never seen this Rolls Royce, Jeff? Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm Nicole Kamanjian. I'm here with Cody Richard and the host of this show, Jeff Rappaport. This is episode 260, and today we're doing part two of how to fill out a purchase and sale agreement with seller finance. Before we get started, I wanted to mention some of our resources. If you're looking for a mentor, visit roimentors.com to learn more about Jeff's apprentice program and the Creative Financing Academy. For networking and questions, make sure you join the Creative Financing Podcast community on Facebook. The second Thursday of every month, don't miss Jeff's free creative financing class on Zoom. If you're local to the Salt Lake area, we host an in-person meetup at Club 90 in Sandy, Utah. Details in the description below. All right, here we go. We're on part two on how to fill out a purchase and sale agreement with owner financing. And we just got through the hardest part, uh, at least to me, the the hardest part with the purchase and sale agreement. Um, uh, the addendum becomes a little more detailed, but... Uh, the rest of the purchase and sale is super easy. So um, let's go through it. So we covered in the first episode, we went through buyer and seller, the legal description address, how to fill out this number one, how to fill out owner finance portion and how to deal with closing costs. So we are on number five, payment of expenses, then we're going to do parations, title evidence, and survey. So let's switch back to our PowerPoint. So here's how hard this becomes. Okay. So number five and number six, payment of expenses and parations. Nothing to fill out. Okay. Move on. Number seven, um, title evidence. Okay, this is when the buyer and seller agrees to get a preliminary title report on the property. And uh, if you go back... Title report is definitely a really important document to get. Yeah. So title evidence, can you guys see this? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So under within seven days, 10 days. It used to be pretty quick, but title companies are really slow these days. So uh, we're usually putting like 10 days now and uh, and it's usually 10 days after acceptance, but you could do after a certain, certain things are satisfied. Um, and here's one thing to know with title insurance, which is something kind of interesting to me is that um, we, we have a property in, uh, we, we're going through the same title company on two different deals. One's in Oklahoma, one's in Texas. In Oklahoma, they said it is the buyer's responsibility to order the PR, the pre- preliminary title report. And we will be billed for it if we don't buy. And in Texas, we it is the seller's responsibility and they will pull it and no one is responsible for paying if there's no sale so understand the market that you're in and what will happen normally we tell title but we don't want them to pull title until we've gone through at least the financials and know that we want to continue to pursue the property 
All right. Number seven is survey. Uh, very rarely do we check that we need to get a, a survey. If anything, we usually ask to see if there is one that's been previously done. Uh, you know, if you were dealing with uh, a, a a larger tract of land and maybe the boundaries were not um, not a hundred percent, then you may want to do a survey. Or if you were dealing with commercial, but most residential stuff, uh, you, you're not going to check this, but if you were, you can decide who's going to pay for it. Um, otherwise, there's no survey is required. And um, who's going to pay for it and who's going to be responsible and you just fill in these blanks. Okay, number nine, wood destroying organism report termites. Nothing to fill out. So don't worry about it. Number 10, title examination and time for closing. So this is where we're going to create our closing time frame. So what I like to do normally is I check this box right here and I'll put like 21 days to 30 days to 45 days after the date of acceptance. So for me, that's what I normally do is I, I base my time frame on when they sign the agreement. But you you can put an actual date if you want. Wouldn't be a bad idea because sometimes people don't quite know. Uh, that's why I do date after acceptance because I can just go back to the purchase and sale agreement and see when the last date was on there and now know exactly you know when is closing set for. How do you deal with that, Cody? So I felt the same. Um, and yeah, just to highlight, this is a very important section, but I do put whatever X amount of days after the date of acceptance, and then I'll track it all on my calendar and just put, hey, yeah. I've got seven days until due diligence ends, seven days until closing occurs, yep. just so I can stay on top of it as it comes up. Yep. When you guys um, are filling in the days, and this might be a stupid question, but um, like, do the weekends count in those days that you're... If they don't say business days, then yes. Um, okay. If it's business days, then no. So, so I normally don't do business days. Okay. So yeah, if if uh, today is the twenty second of February, so if I was uh, signing this today, and uh, maybe I'm saying thirty days from today, we will close. If you know, my buyer or my seller, whatever the case may be, has also signed. If they sign tomorrow, then it starts tomorrow. Got it. Okay. Number 11, loss or damage. You can read through this, but there's nothing to sign. Number 12 and 13 and 14. Uh, let's switch back. So we're, we're going to deal with in the kind of condition that the property is going to be delivered in um, and are there any descriptions of problems occupancy whether someone's occupying the property or not and then any kind of personal property that may or may not be included with the sale all right so condition you can put what you want in this section this is what i always put as is no warranties expressed or implied. Do you do the same, Cody? Yeah, it's almost uh, like I, I got it from you or something. 
<laughs> you don't have to. Uh, you could put whatever you need in there, but we're not trying to hold up the property based on a condition. And we're going to create in our addendum a due diligence period, and we can get out of this deal for any reason um, during the due diligence period. Occupancy. And I've noticed I also don't get I also don't get pushed back for having that in the condition. Some people may ask like, oh, why are you doing an inspection then? But it's that's the only thing and no one ever is backed out because of what is written in the condition section. I've never had an issue with it either. Um, and this would be the, as we being the buyers, right? Uh, yep. We're just saying basically uh, we're, we're not looking for any kind of warranties, guarantees, um, condition. If we're buying a fixer upper, um, we're going to go do our due diligence, make sure that we know what we're buying. And I've never had pushback even after if I'd gotten an inspection or after seeing it and had some issues with uh, the condition that uh, we basically say, because you can still get out of this agreement based on the due diligence. So, all right. So occupancy you're just going to check the appropriate box. Uh, if seller's going to occupy the property after closing, I will put in C addendum at the end of it. And what one of the things you definitely want to do is cover yourself if the seller is going to stay in the property after closing. And when I say that, I will put in some kind of clause in the addendum that says, I'm going to hold back a certain amount of proceeds for, from the seller until the seller has left the property and has left it in reasonably clean condition. And I'll usually have a date and then they'll start losing, you know, they'll start, it'll cost them a significant amount of money for every day that they're in there. And then after like a week, they forfeit all the money and now it becomes an eviction. Have you ever had to do So just an things? example. Sorry. Yeah, Jeff. go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, the example, yes, I have. I have not actually had to evict. And I, I think it just becomes something that you you negotiate at that point. I've had a few people that stayed after closing and after the time frame that they were supposed to be in. And I just made them a deal that, hey, I'll give you back like half the money if you're out by, you know, two days from now and the property is left in good condition. Usually I can work something out. I've never had to go the whole eviction route. Once was close, but not quite. <laughs> Did you have an example too, Cody? I was just going to, yeah, I've had it happen. I was going to say, give a rough estimate on the numbers. Like sometimes I've done hold back 5,000 or 10,000 yeah. or maybe more depending on the value of the property and then charge like 500 a day. I'm going to try to hold back as much as possible, but sometimes they're not getting that much money. So uh, if they were getting five grand, I can't really hold back all five grand. So um, I might be able to get 2,500 of the five. If they were getting, you know, a hundred grand, I might hold back $15,000 because I I want it to hurt. Um, That's the incentive to leave and leave it in good condition and if we're buying it on you know with hard money or something that hey the the clock ticks after we've closed right it it's accumulating 
and can't wait until the seller gets his or her act together to get out of the property. So again, in the addendum, this would be all spelled out how you want this to occur. And then the, the other occupancy is that buyer understands the property is available for rent or rented and the tenant may continue in possession following closing unless otherwise agreed in, to in writing. Make sure you check the occupancy. What if you're wholesaling the deal? Does that come later in the contract or is that like the occupancy? Does that have to do anything with it? You, you, you will want to still deal with it because uh, you've got to pass that portion on to your buyer as well. So mm-hmm. if you are, if you're selling to a landlord and the landlord wants to get rid of this tenant and put in a new tenant that's going to pay market rents, then yeah, super important to know when they're going to be out or how long their lease is, because there's certain things that you have to abide by and uh, there's no real way around it unless you work out some kind of deal separately with the tenant. Sometimes they want the tenant in there. Um, they're, mm-hmm. they're paying rent. They, that income will continue. So, and, and then you have to, if you are going to wholesale this, then you have to make sure that, hey, I put this into place. I just wanted you to know so that it protects you as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, like just the, just know your exit strategy, know your numbers mm-hmm. of, hey, this is, this could rent for 2000 a month. It's currently rented at 750 I mean, if I'm trying to wholesale this, I can't, I, it just wouldn't make sense to leave the tenant in there unless there's maybe a few scenarios, but most likely you wouldn't be able to leave them in there. So just know your exit strategy and how you're, what you're going to be looking to sell that as a wholesale. Well, and certainly also know what lease, you know, what, what are the terms of the lease? Because even though that you had nothing to do with it, you have to abide by it. Uh, you know, if they've got six more months on the lease, then you've got to deal with them for six more months. Yeah, and it could be a month-to-month lease, too. That's correct. All right. So we have now gotten through number 13, occupancy. So, so we're going to now go through personal property, default, zoning, the time frame when they can accept and the addendum and we'll probably just go through it all so uh, we'll speed this up and get through this all and then we'll wrap up this episode so all right so personal property um, list any property that will be included or excluded from the sale so if the seller says i want to take the washer and dryer or i'm going to leave the washer and dryer uh, you want that in there Uh, cody have you ever gotten any cool items from a house just because you asked for it i have not no have you oh yes sounds like you Uh, might have (laughs) On one house, I got a Rolls Royce, a Ford Thunderbird, a boat, um, a whole bunch of furniture, paintings, some gym equipment, and a hot tub. How come I've never seen this Rolls Royce, Jeff? I sold it. (laughs) Oh. I sold it all. And actually, (laughs) um, I shouldn't have. (laughs) Uh, you know, when I did it, I thought it was just pretty cool, but then I had to deal with it all and I didn't know what to do with it. So, but I used to get stuff all the time when I was doing stuff more where I would go to the house and go on the appointment and you'd, you'd see the riding lawnmower in the back or the 
school something or other and you're like hey what are you going to do with that i've got all kinds of furniture um i have two display cases in my garage that have been sitting there for like 10 years that i got from a house so <laughs> yeah okay so default there's nothing to fill out zoning you're going to fill in two blanks you can use words and abbreviations like sfr single family residence and residential so it would go you check zoning and restrictions unless the property is zoned you could put residential here and can be legally used for single family residence use or you could put his own single family residence and be legally used for residential use it doesn't really matter that's not a hundred percent you could use commercial multifamily. just make it clear so that if there are any zoning and restriction issues that you have pointed out what they need to be. Number 17, so when you submit this, you can give a time frame when this offer expires. That way uh, it's not sitting out there for weeks at a time. Uh, make sure that you put a time zone. Otherwise, it'll get confusing and uh, you may not care when someone signs or you may care when someone signs. So, How long uh, do you typically give them, Jeff? I don't usually fill it out. Um, maybe we should, we probably should that maybe we would get rid of some of the people that take their time and then kind of disappear and ghost you. So do you fill it out, Cody? No, I don't, but the same thing probably should. Yeah, probably should. <laughs> and so, I will say one thing, yeah. one thing on zoning is I also get this just from the County website, just oh, good. whatever County it is. And then tax assessor, um, yep. on those pages, you can usually see what it's zoned for. Yeah, and it's right here. So you check this. Mm -hmm. Unless the property is zoned blank and can be legally used for blank use. So, yeah, you can get it off the county recorder. I just never fill this out anymore. Muhammad does it. <laughs> so I don't know where he gets everything. But I see it and I say, okay, good. And I just electronically <laughs> sign. All right, so we are just about done, and I told you it's pretty simple. So number 18 is additional terms. I used to write out all this stuff in there. Now I don't write anything except C addendum. 19, there's nothing to fill out. Number 20, seller agrees to allow buyer to place a notice of interest on the property until closing. This will protect buyer's position in the property. If buyer does not buy the property, then buyer will remove the notice of interest at buyer's expense. I added that. That's a modification to the purchase and sale agreement. And what it does is just allow me to cloud the title if for whatever reason I feel like the seller is trying to work a second deal or shop my deal while they're under contract with me. Um, make it difficult for them to sell the property without dealing with me first. And if you don't have that in your purchase and sale agreement and you go file a notice of interest or a memorandum, you could get yourself into some trouble. Are we supposed to be seeing the contract or the slides, Jeff? It doesn't really matter, but that's number 20 right here. Nothing to mm -hmm. fill out. Last thing, well, second to last thing, um, just put under what state law that you are dealing with. So if you're buying in Utah, Utah law, Florida, Florida, Indiana, Indiana. Okay. 
make sure everyone signs, right? So if there were two sellers, make sure they both sign, okay? Get their phone number and their social security number. That's it. That's the whole, that you can get this last thing if, if you gave earnest money to the realtor, but you don't even need this. So do you, do you ever have anyone fight you on giving their social? No. And I don't really care if they give it to me or not. Okay. I don't get it. I just, re- I removed that section from mine. So yeah. I don't ever get it. I haven't had an issue with not getting it. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. And I don't really care either way. So that it's easier to, for title if they already have this stuff. So yeah, I've had title companies come back and say, that's your responsibility to get. And I'm like, all right, that's the only reason why it's there. Any questions? So we got through the whole purchase and sale agreement, two episodes. The next episode, we will deal with the addendum. And the fourth episode, we will just go through a couple examples filled out. No questions for me. Good. Yeah, no questions. All right. Well, then we'll see you next time. Go out and create some terms. Mm-hmm.